2: Hi there, it's Zara. You don't usually get an episode of the group chat on Monday, but there's been a development in the Emily Hand case and we wanted to bring you this interview in full. Some of you might remember Emily's father, Tom, speaking with Clarissa Ward from CNN when he heard the news about Emily's death. The kibbutz where they live had been stormed by Hamas militants on October 7th.
1: I just said, we found Emily. Uh, she's dead and I went yes I went yes and smiled because that is the best news of the possibilities that I knew and if you know anything about what they do to people in Gaza that is worse than death so death was a blessing an absolute blessing
2: Well at that time Tom had spoken of a fate worse than death for his little girl and in recent days he has now learned that it is possible that Emily is still alive and being held hostage by Hamas inside Gaza. Gavin and I sat down to speak with Tom this morning. We want to bring you the interview in full but warn that the details within it may be distressing to some listeners.
1: Uh, My timeline is uh, crazy at the moment. Uh, I don't know what day it is from one day to the next Uh, so within a week let's say um, the army officially told me that uh, Emily is no longer considered dead Uh, they haven't found a body to confirm that she's dead I've given my DNA Uh, I've provided them with dental records of Emily pictures of every part of her body, because I don't know if you know what they do to their victims. Um, So I had to cover her whole body with whatever uh, birthmarks or indicators on her body for possible identification.
2: And when you got this call to say that Emily might still be alive, I know and we watched your interview with Clarissa Ward and CNN, you had talked about a fate worse than death. I mean, this must have been a huge shock for you.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, initially, uh, I was like, I, I initially, it was hard to take that new news, that new information. Um, but it was... It was great to know that there's a possibility that um, she's alive and well, and that one day we will uh, get her back and I can hug her.
0: Um, Tom, one of the things that everyone would have found so striking about that interview that you did uh, with CNN was the fact that the the prospect of Emily being killed rather than uh, being alive as a um, prisoner to to Hamas Um, that that would be a relief because, as Zara said, it was a fate worse than death. It must be a very conflicting feeling then to think that actually the fate that you believed worse than death is still a prospect, but that there is that prospect too of you being reunited and her being returned safely to you and to her family.
1: Uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, at first when uh, they told me that she was probably dead, it was sort of a relief in a way uh but now i have to alter my head with this new information and uh now i have hope now i have hope that she's alive so we will pray that she comes back however broken uh we can fix her Um we just want we just want her back we're, we're glad she's alive uh uh i'm hoping that the irish government is putting as much pressure on um the people behind the scenes egypt qatar whatever um you know she's a an irish citizen after all um you know i hope the prime minister of ireland will make as much effort to get the hostages especially my daughter back as much as he wants to help the people in gaza
2: Tom in terms of the information that you have now about Emily and her whereabouts um you know what were the factors that led to the conclusion that she was alive and inside gaza
1: uh, there is very little details um first of all uh they checked out the room house that she was staying in there was no blood inside that one unlike many others uh there was no blood or outside the house uh, the cell phones of the friend that she was staying in and her mother were found in tracks to Gaza uh, that's an indicator it, it's not 100% uh, but I'm sure they have other intelligence indicating that Emily Hila and Raya are alive and in Gaza, but they, they don't give us the details that they, they can't.
2: I was just going to ask, Tom, you know, are you frustrated by the news that you were told a couple of weeks ago and, and the, maybe the, the kind of miscommunication around that? I mean, I suppose how how did that news come to, to be in the first place, do you think?
1: Uh, no, no, uh, I have uh, no anger towards anyone. Uh, I completely understand it. Um, It was absolute chaos, as you can imagine, over those first few days. Uh, The amount of bodies found dead, the amount of people missing. um, Again, just logistically, it was a a nightmare. Uh, I'm sure there's still a backlog of uh, DNA checks to be made. Only re- you know, recently we found another six confirmed dead. So it's, it's still an ongoing process.
0: Um, Tom, can you tell us about um, Emily, what what sort of child she is, what she's into, what, what are her pastimes, what is she like inside and outside of school? And also talk us through uh, the events of the day when she went to the sleepover in this kibbutz and how drastically then everything changed.
1: Well, every parent will say it, but she was a beautiful innocent child eight years old. Uh she's actually going to have her ninth birthday in Gaza on the seventeenth. She she won't even know it's her birthday. So there'll be no cake, no no parties, no friends. Um so yeah when she was with me she just she loved music uh it's in her it's in her dna and um, you know us Irish loved music anyway um yeah she was into everything uh dancing singing putting on little shows uh learning the piano Uh, She wanted to learn the guitar. Uh, Acrobatics. She could do the splits both ways fully. Uh, crab, and walk out between her legs. Anything she set her mind to do, she would do it. And she normally found it very easy. And if she didn't find it easy, she would do it and do it and do it again until she could do it. She was a very determined little girl um, and happy, you know, even though her, her uncle, uh, her granddad died of cancer, her uncle died of cancer, her mum died of cancer at the age of two and a half. Um, she'd been through a lot in her small little age, but she was still a happy, happy life loving child she loved everything animals uh from the smallest creature to the biggest she loved she just loved she was a loving little girl
2: and tom who is at home you know you presumably i know you're surrounded by great support there and i was speaking to some of your friends and you've had a good a good network of people around you and who's there with you now and, and who's supporting you and who's waiting for emily to come home
1: uh, well, my God, we're all waiting for her, but uh, me, my eldest son, my eldest daughter, um, her classmates, her teachers, her friends on the kibbutz. Uh, you know, every every day somebody's coming up and saying, any news, any news? Uh, everyone's very concerned.
2: I know, Gavin, you'll be able to speak to the political aspect of this, because I know Tom mentioned at the very start of this conversation about wanting, you know, that support from the Irish government. And, you know, I know that Emily is an Irish passport holder. She is an Irish citizen. You know, what help have you been getting? And maybe, Gavin, you might speak to you. we were speaking to the Thornished over the weekend as well. Maybe we'll start with yourself, Tom. Just what support have you been getting from Ireland on all of this?
1: Uh, they've said they will they will push for emily's release as hard as they can from whatever directions they can
0: and so how do you feel about whatever efforts there have been on the irish government's sides in the last week or so since this became a more apparent prospect for you or or have you been brought into the loop as to what efforts they have been making to try and have her released
1: yeah obviously i, I i'm not in the loop it's it's all behind the scenes uh no no information on on that front
0: that in itself must be really frustrating to, to know that these things are happening or may be happening or that you hope they're happening behind the scenes, but that you're her, her father, you're, you know, she's the center of your world and you're just being kept in the darkest of what's happening.
1: Uh, yeah, that's, that's simply the situation. Um, they can't, nobody can go public with what anybody is trying to do. You just hope, like you say, you hope that they're doing their best efforts. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Irish government has helped me as as much as they can so
0: far. Mm. Uh, I can tell you from what that I've learned over the weekend, because the, uh, the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Micheál Martin, as you might know, is also the leader of the Fianna Fáil party, and they've been having their party conference for the last weekend. And this was raised with him. Naturally, there was a lot more public understanding about... Irish citizens who are also Palestinians and who are trapped in Gaza trying to deal with the deteriorating humanitarian situation there there was also some mention of there being a prospective Irish hostage among those being held by Hamas inside of Gaza and it was quite telling that the tarnisher wasn't prepared to even countenance that idea at least in public that obviously behind the scenes officials are are doing what they can but that they appeared to give the impression that they thought that any public discussion about there being an Irish hostage might perhaps endanger um that person's existence so that it might draw an undue attention and that they would prefer to, to do their diplomacy behind the scenes. I wonder how you feel hearing that?
1: Uh I'm surprised actually because um uh the Hamas know that Ireland is pro-Palestinian generally. Um, so why wouldn't they say there's an Irish citizen being held there, and do say that publicly. I I, I I don't understand. It it could only do her good and not bad.
2: And Tom, um, you're originally from Dublin, is that right? You you moved when you were younger away from from Ireland.
1: Yeah, uh, I was born in Dublin Hospital. We lived in Dunleary. We had a massive pub owned by my dad and his brother. Uh, it was called Hands, and uh, Right next to it, to it, there was a grocery shop. Believe it or not, called the Foot. So there was hands and foot <laughs> side by side. I'm sure there's people there that will that will remember that.
2: Yeah, but they were they were simpler times. You know, it, it's it seems to me, Tom, from you know covering this over the last couple of weeks and and you know looking at, at everything that's been unfolding that you had a really nice life before all of this happened, that you had a great community, that you guys were very, very happy, actually, and that, you know, it was a very harmonious, peaceful environment. Is it fair to say that, it was you know, October 7th really was a huge shock to to people like yourselves living in kibbutz, particularly, I know it was close to the border there, but it's not something you ever could have anticipated, is it?
1: No, Uh, it was it was literally paradise on earth. uh, I remember the first morning I woke up after arriving there and uh, just meeting a few of the people. Amazing, the loving, loving people. Relaxed, beautiful place. Beautiful place. Uh, yeah, no one could have expected what was going to happen. We've li- we've lived there for uh, the last twenty years under heavy bombardment bombardment of rockets Uh, we even have our own bomb shelters built into the house now because it got so bad Uh, uh, whereas before we had to just run under the stairs or whatever room you thought was the safest and so when we had the bomb shelters it was uh, a a relief a big relief when you hear the the sirens and the, the booms going off, you had somewhere to run to where you felt uh, safe. Unfortunately, they weren't built for this kind of uh, terror incursion. Um, Yeah, you couldn't even lock the doors. Uh, You just had to hold on as long as you could before they kicked, kicked, kicked the door open. They shot through the doors. Um, It just wasn't built for for this type of attack. Mm
2: -hmm. And your kibbutz, how many people lived in your kibbutz and how many people died in this attack?
1: Uh, 1,200 roughly kibbutz members and uh, 112 at the moment. So 10% of us have died and 26 from Barry, just from my kibbutz, 26, maybe it's gone up now since they found out about Emily, call it 30, 30 kibbutz babies, child, children, men, women, and elderly, um, you know, retired people held held there. Um,
0: Tom I hate to ask you a very difficult question but I'm also struck that this is something that you've had to contemplate yourself for most of the last month thinking that your daughter was among those who had been killed Um, what sort of situation do you imagine in your mind's eye that she's been in for the last month?
1: Uh, Obviously I imagine the worst Uh, and the worst the worst imagination that I have is her being dragged out of the house yeah, being dragged out of the house, dragged to Gaza, pushed, slapped to Gaza. Um, I, I presume you've seen any several footage, but when you get to Gaza, there the population is slapping and beating and kicking. Doesn't matter who they are, um, and then eventually being dragged down into the tunnel system, which is not pleasant. Uh, I don't know what food they're getting, if any. I don't know what water they're getting, if any. I don't know what toilet facilities, if any. Your imagination is boundless. So yeah, you imagine the worst and hope that they're humane enough to look after them in some way.
2: She is with a friend, you hope, and her friend's mother, so hopefully that will be some comfort to her that she will have someone familiar with her.
1: I'm I'm hoping for that, but obviously uh, I've got no idea. She could be separate from them. The other daughter could be separate separated from the mother. Uh yeah. I, I console myself with the thought that they're together, but there's no way uh, that I could know. They could be held in groups, in age groups. They could be held in any shape or form. I've got no idea.
2: You have to keep positive though, Tom, and you have to keep holding on to that, don't you? You have to keep, you know, for your own sake, you have to kind of hang on to the, to the possibility of best possible outcome. That's the only way really to deal with with what you're going through right now, I can imagine.
1: Absolutely, yeah. But we, we've now got the information that she's alive, Held captive, kidnapped in Gaza. We have to hope that she's been treated reasonably. Fed, watered. Uh, But above all that, every second of every day that has gone past for a month, obviously she's terrorised just in her own mind as she's terrorised.
0: Unlikely as it probably is, some um is there any message that you through this vehicle would like to relay to those who might have your daughter in their custody
1: uh, yeah um uh, i beg you on bended knees to please release the children including emily but just release let let's let's start with the children for the sake of, if you have any humanity inside of your body and soul, please release the children at least, maybe the women later, maybe the old people later. I don't think we'll get much chance with the men, but um, at least the children, for God's sakes, for God's sakes, have some humanity, some pity, some Some humane feelings of any kind, please.
2: Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I just, we really want to offer you our deepest condolences and we really hope that Emily will be home soon um, and that, as you say, you can get her through this, you know, that this will be, you know, hopefully you'll look back one day and this won't be what you're going through right now, that you'll have answers and that you'll have peace. Um, And if there's anything that we can do at this end, please stay in touch with us. And um, we will help as much as we can. I, I know I speak for myself and Gavin when we say that. So thank you and, and take care.
1: If if you can push the government in, in any way, if you have any influence in any way, please do it. Yeah. I want I want my little girl back. I just want my little girl back. We all want our little children, babies back. For God's sakes, people. That's all we want. Before we let
0: you go on this episode of the Group Chat podcast, we also wanted to bring you up to speed on the latest regarding Ibrahim Alaga and his family. You might remember our news correspondent Richard Chambers speaking to Ibrahim on one of our episodes a few weeks ago. Ibrahim and his family um, originally have Palestinian heritage, but they've been living in the Blanchardstown area of Dublin 15 for several years. They all now hold Irish citizenship. They had travelled back to Gaza for a family occasion When the war broke out about a month ago, they have been stranded there ever since, trying desperately to get out of Gaza and to be granted safe passage back to Ireland. Richard is on annual leave this week, but he has passed us on an update from Ibrahim and his family. And unfortunately, the situation is not good. In fact, in Ibrahim's own words, he has told Richard that they are now in an extremely difficult situation. And in his words, we are literally starving. He says that the family hasn't eaten anything since yesterday, that's Sunday, His son is asking for food and water that they don't have. And Ibrahim is also reporting further intermittent cuts in communications and mobile coverage. It had only just come back at the time that he was texting Richard. He also says that the Rafah border crossing has now been closed, as you might know, has been closed since the weekend. And as of today, Monday, there have been no new lists published of any overseas citizens who might be granted safe passage through to Egypt and then onwards to their countries of origin. If there is any update in the situation regarding Ibrahim and his family, we will, of course, keep you posted on our news bulletins on Virgin Media Television and here on the group chat. Thanks very much for listening to this special episode of the group chat. We will be back with our regular weekly episode on Wednesday night at 11pm on Virgin Media 1 and, as always, here in your podcast feeds on Thursday morning.